Investing in your business can be a wonderful way to grow wealth and live the life you want. That's what I'm doing. But investing in someone else's business can be even better. In my opinion, this is the best way to generate true passive income streams. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including the Global Cashflow Kings ETF, ticker symbol CFLO, which lets you invest in 200 companies with high levels of free cash flow, such as Visa and Costco, in one ETF. You can learn more about CFLO and the BetaShares fund range by visiting betashares.com.au. Read the PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Welcome to RASC's Australian Business Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who dare to leave the world in a better place and get paid while we do it. This podcast will make you a better business owner, investor, founder, or entrepreneur. If you want to start a business or already have one, please subscribe to the series or share it with your friends, business partner, or colleagues. And don't forget to consider taking our free business course, which includes heaps of templates for creating business plans, HR documents, employee files, all of my software recommendations, and more. The course is completely free and available via the link in your podcast player. Okay, let's get into the episode. Welcome to episode four of the Australian Business Podcast. If you haven't already listened to episodes one through to three, please go and check those out because they form the bedrock of the future episodes between now and episode 12 when I talk about starting a business. I find that many founders often neglect marketing and instead spend 99% of their time and focus on building a product or service. While this all or nothing focus on product may work in some extreme examples, that is where the product sells itself, the reality is every company needs to conduct some type of marketing. Thousands of people still line up for new Apple product launches. The reason is marketing. According to various studies, such as the UniSA study of CEOs who had failed businesses, the number two reason businesses fail, accounting for 17% of all businesses, is not enough research, marketing, and sales. So obviously, in episodes one through to three, we talked about how you can define your business, what is the addressable market, and who is your customer. With that, you can then define a marketing and sales strategy. From our lesson on customer profiles and business plans, you would know we've already done the hardest part, which is figuring out who exactly we're talking to. Believe me, there are many company managers who still don't know who their customer is. As my old man would tell me when we went fishing, fish where the fish are. Given that we know what we're targeting or who we're targeting, it becomes a game of reverse engineering. Using REST Sky customer profile, You might remember her as the hairdresser who watches a little bit of Kim Kardashian and earns about $80,000 to $85,000 a year. There would be no point in me setting up and creating a Twitter account for a new business if Sky was my customer profile. Likewise, we're not likely going to find many Walters, who might be the 65-year-old investor that uses the RAS platform, over on Instagram. And there probably won't be too many Ryans, the 45-year-old engineer who's earning $160,000 on Reddit. When it comes to targeting your customer, ask yourself, who are they? Where are they found? What do they purchase? When do they purchase? 
And what channel does my competitor use to find them? I want to talk to you now about this idea of customer acquisition cost versus the lifetime value. This is a Silicon Valley phrase, but it's very important for every business to understand. So excuse me, while I get a little bit nerdy, the customer acquisition cost, otherwise known as CAC, is a technology person's phrase for how much does it cost me to find a customer? For example, imagine you're a mechanic in Pottsville. You think Facebook is where your customers are found. So you take out a Facebook ad for, quote, get your car fixed by Stacy's AAA mechanic in Pottsville and your first coffee is on us, end quote. You spend a total of $100 on this ad over two days on Facebook and you get three customers who end up spending an average of $300. So that would be $100 on the ad and you generate $900 in sales. To acquire a customer, your customer cost is the $100 you spend on Facebook divided by three, the total customers that you get, which equals about $33 each. However, the total value you get from each customer is around $300. Assuming you made more than $33 of profit from each customer, that would be the $300 minus whatever it costs you to do the mechanical work, the Facebook ad works. So we're comparing the cost to acquire those customers versus the amount they spend, and we're using averages. But let's imagine again that you spend another $1,000 because you think, hey, this customer acquisition channel is working, Facebook works. But this time, even though you spend $1,000, you only get one new customer. In this instance, the customer cost you $1,000. That's the total amount that you spend on Facebook. And you only got one customer. So the customer acquisition cost is $1,000. Clearly, if the customer is spending only $300, your marketing strategy did not work. It would only be worthwhile to spend that $1,000 if that one customer goes and tells their friends or if they come back for many years and spend more with your mechanical shop. This is how you work out what the return on investment is. Please remember this. At the end of the day, every single business has a simple equation for survival. Spend less to find a customer than you get in profit from that customer. That is all it takes. Permission marketing. If you truly are to be successful in running a great business, there are two books that are must-reads in my opinion. They are Robert Cialdini's Persuasion and Seth Godin's Permission Marketing. Both books are a little older, yet still manage to result in 100 light bulb moments for business owners. They're worth every dollar. To save you some time, I'll summarize the key points of the two books. Let's start with Permission Marketing. Permission Marketing is the process of gaining a little bit more customer trust each and every time you interact with them. It's like dating. You don't ask someone at a bar to marry you before you've introduced yourself, bought them a drink, or asked them on a date. You go to dinner first, and likewise, you wouldn't expect someone to spend $1,000 on your online course or workshop until they've joined your free newsletter and read some of your work. The key here is that every time you interact with a customer, 
you should move them further down the funnel. For example, and using a digital example here is very easy to understand. Let's say you have a website and on your website, you have some content. You have a free website reader come onto your website and they started reading one of your blogs or one of your updates. Then they become a newsletter subscriber because they put their email address in one of the fields. Then they take one of your free courses. And so they're not paying you anything yet, but they're more, they're engaging more. They've given you an account detail and they've logged in. Next, they take a paid course, but this time it's only a $10 course. And finally, they really love your stuff and they're going to spend $1,000. Clearly in this example, you can't go from someone who has never heard of you to a $1,000 sale in one go. You need to use the concept of permission marketing to get a little bit more trust each and every step down the line. Now, this might not apply to all types of businesses. For example, if you're a carpenter and you're a sole trader, you are still earning their trust, but it's a little bit different. And what you're hoping to happen is that you work for a customer or a, or a client and they bring you back or they recommend you to a friend. That's your form of permission marketing. The other book, which is Persuasion, is written by Robert Cialdini or Professor Robert Cialdini, who is a professor of both marketing and psychology. He wrote this book many decades ago, and it's based on six principles which you can use to influence someone. And I'll give you some examples as we go through these six principles. The first is reciprocity. Basically, I give you something, now you give me something. We often see this in marketing as, you know, the 80-20 rule, like give, 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 take. The second principle is commitment and consistency. Oh, you said you like ham sandwiches. So would you like to buy this bacon? This is trying to get someone to commit to an action and then sell them something. The next one is social proof. And you'll see this on many websites on the landing page. It will have big name brands and say, Google, employees from Google have used our software or over 1,000 business owners have taken a Rask business course. It speaks to everyone else approving what you do. The next one is authority. Johnny Splunkin has an MBA from Harvard. How many times do you go to a company's website and on the About Us page, it lists the education and experience of someone? What they're trying to do is enforce their authority so you listen to them. In your industry, you want to speak with authority. You want to speak like you know what you're doing. You know, sometimes you do have to fake it a little bit until you make it, but you want to act as if you know what you're talking about so it instills confidence in your customer. The second last principle is liking. When people say, you know, they're a great person, you seem very genuine, you seem honest. These are all traits that lead you towards liking someone. And many studies show that when you like someone or you like a brand, you're much more likely to do business with them. And finally, scarcity. Hurry, we only have three cupcakes left. Scarcity is a tactic that many businesses can use. In a bakery, for example, many of the best bakeries in Melbourne, which is where I live, often don't produce enough of the thing that they're selling so that you have to get in quickly. This is called scarcity and it can drive up prices. I've used every single one of these triggers and principles to grow our business. 
And I strongly suggest you do the same. How can you give something to take something? Build that commitment and consistency in your customer base. Show social proof. Look how good this is. Speak with authority. I've done this for 10 years. Prove that someone or earn someone's, I guess, likability. And finally, scarcity. Once you understand the basics of marketing and sales, you can create a marketing funnel. Imagine an upside down triangle on the table in front of you. And at the very top, you have where your customers are found. Then the first touch point would be the first bit inside the funnel. Then the next bit would be that next step that they take after they've interacted with you once. And then finally, down the bottom of the funnel, you have where you monetize those customers. That is your marketing funnel. Product market fit. Product market fit is about creating a product or a service that serves the audience. You'll hear it tossed around in investing circles or in startups, but it applies to anyone. Very few business ideas have product market fit straight out of the box. So there are a few ways you can get towards the sweet spot as soon as possible. I would encourage you to conduct user or customer reviews, get customer feedback. Listen to what your customers are saying. A lot of small business owners are quite stubborn and refuse to kind of take on different opinions. Number three, actually do some proper market research. Number four, look at the competitors. What are they doing better? Number five, test your products in a safe way. How can you test your products and ensure that your customers are reacting properly? For example, let's take a cafe. One way you can de-risk your cafe business and maximize revenue is by understanding the location and area in which you're launching your cafe. You might love the latest $7 turmeric decaf latte with almond sprinkles, but if you're launching your cafe in Derby, Western Australia, you ain't going to stand a chance selling $7 turmeric lattes. However, in Melbourne CBD, the the home of coffee, you might stand a chance. But we are coffee snobs, it's fair to say. They say some people can sell ice to Eskimos, but I'd rather sell them lemonade. Try to understand your product market fit as quickly as you can. Do this with customer surveys, seeing what people are buying and react to that. The quicker you can do this process and remain agile, the better your business will be. Growing online. This next section of the podcast is about using different digital channels to find and gain customers. This won't necessarily be applicable to everyone, but I hope you can take some parts of this and use it in your business. Let's start with the thing that you're listening to, podcasts. To be honest, I wouldn't bother with podcasts unless you're taking it seriously. They simply don't have the same search engine optimization features to make them like a mass market product. Podcasts are very popular for education and in niche topics where you can go deep into something. But unlike radio, TV, or the internet in general, no one is forced to listen to or see your podcast. If you do go down this road, here are some tips from someone who's been doing this for five years. For remote interviews, get yourself a Rode NT-USB microphone or a similar quality microphone from JB Hi-Fi. This is a microphone that you can just plug into your computer. 
If you're doing something in person and you want super high quality audio, what you can use is a Zoom H4 or H5 recorder. This will have uh, some microphone cable adapters in it, some XLR mic ports, and then you can just go and get your own uh, microphones to plug in. If you are editing your own podcasts, consider using Audacity, which is free, or GarageBand on Apple. That will be enough to edit most podcasts, or you can get someone to do these for you. But again, with podcasts, it is quite hard to crack the market, and it's more for engagement rather than customer acquisition. Let's talk a little bit about website and blogs. A great way to position yourself as an expert is to write blogs or long-form text. There's an interesting fact that I read recently. Individuals who use blogging as a marketing tool are 13 times more likely to get a positive return on investment. I use WordPress for just about everything that we do at Rask, but there are other alternatives that are worthwhile, such as Blogspot, Medium, or Substack. These are kind of like quasi websites and they allow you to write a blog or to have an online presence without going into too much effort of building a website. Interestingly, less than one half of businesses in Australia have an online presence, according to ATO. But remember that many of them are sole traders and less again have any type of social media presence. Again, subcontractors probably don't need a social media presence. For me, websites are the absolute minimum hurdle to build legitimacy. So if you're looking to build a business beyond just a sole trader, I think a website is a must have. Of course, a website is not a requirement for many businesses. And there are better platforms for getting a large audience quickly if that's what you want, such as Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, etc. I want to just introduce a rule really quickly here before we move on. There's a rule in technology and in marketing and in software in general, and that is this. Never build your business in someone else's backyard. What I mean by that is that never trust Facebook or Instagram, TikTok, or another social media portal to be your only source of reaching your customers. These platforms can be super effective for getting customers quickly, and I'd encourage you to try them all for your business. But as you grow, try to build multiple touch points and bring your customer across to email. Email, as I'm about to explain, is by far the most powerful medium for selling anything. At Rask, we use every social media platform with the single purpose of getting followers who can then take our free courses and build a free account and get us a newsletter, get at them on our newsletter or an email address. Let's talk quickly about email marketing. Email marketing is the process of sending newsletters or emails directly to your customers, often with a sale. This is by far the most powerful form of digital marketing ever created. According to Litmus, email marketing has a return on investment of 4,200%. That means for every dollar you spend in email marketing costs, typically you get about $42 of return. At Rask, we use a technology called GetDrip for our email marketing and automation because it is super powerful for digital businesses. However, it's not the best software for kind of every business. MailChimp is by far the most common email marketing software in the world with 68% market share. 
Other really popular names include Campaign Monitor, Aweber, and Salesforce. If you have a payment terminal like Square, which takes payments and helps you sell products physically, you can actually integrate that with things like MailChimp. So then you can connect your physical business to a digital business and send email alerts like, today only, 20% off, come into store today and save. The key point with all of these types of marketing is that every time you make contact with a customer, try and collect one more piece of information. For example, if you have an email form on your website, try to add an optional area for their phone number or their postcode so that you can build more of your intelligence on your customer base. But make sure your data is secure. As you can imagine, I could go on for a very long time about these different mediums. If you really want to power your digital marketing strategy in particular, the Digital Marketing for Dummies book, Permission Marketing, Email Rules, and Robert Cialdini's book on Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, will make you a formidable marketer. And I'd say it's a great thing to do for any business, maybe except for tradies or those in construction. You probably don't need to focus on that too much. Let's talk quickly about social media channels. Facebook. With access to around 3 billion users, Facebook is still a great tool for businesses, especially those specializing in local, regional, or community-type businesses. It can also be used for marketing, building groups of fans, capturing email addresses through forms actually in Facebook, for shopping, and for sales of services like gardening or products, say like artwork. The Facebook marketplace is probably the most powerful for these. For example, I have a friend who runs a gardening business and he puts an advert in Facebook marketplace as a service for his gardening and it is the number one channel for him. Twitter is probably a necessary channel for news and publishing businesses, but it can also be used for getting traffic or for sending alerts to customers. More and more, Twitter is trying to position itself as a place for content creators to monetize through things like a newsletter or integrations with emails, but it's really lacking in that regard. So it's probably the one platform you can avoid unless you're in those publishing and news industries. Instagram is very powerful. Whether you're male or female, Instagram is great for humanizing brands and the people behind them. Just think of Zoe Foster Blake's huge sale of her business, GoTo, and the rise of Afterpay. Both of these businesses are a testament to the power of Instagram. Nowadays, Instagram is essential for creative businesses. So if you're an architect, a hairdresser, in homewares, landscaping, building, or designing, you must be on Instagram. And it can be used as a replacement for a website, although just make sure you remember my reminder from earlier, which is that don't build your house in someone else's backyard. TikTok has had the most rapid adoption of any social media platform in the world. It's the short form video leader. So TikTok can be used to entertain and to promote products of all varieties. More and more businesses are using five to 10 second TikTok videos as a first touch point to direct people back to a website, a profile or an online store, or even to another social media channel like Instagram. Pinterest and Etsy, while these are not your typical social media websites, anyone who plans to build a design and homewares business should consider the opportunities in using Pinterest. On Pinterest, for example, you can share your inspiration and you can share products. And with Etsy, you can sell products through the online platform. Pinterest, by the way, also has an integration with Shopify. 
So if you have uh, an e-commerce website where you sell, uh, say like shoes or jewelry or whatever you sell, you can actually integrate your Shopify account with Pinterest. And then you can also integrate it with WooCommerce. So WooCommerce is the software that's built for WordPress to enable like an online store. And that integrates with Pinterest as well. So you can effectively share your inspiration, your products and photos with millions of users on Pinterest through this integration. If you go into the RAS business course or into the show notes, you will find a table that I put together. And it explains what each of the social media platforms are good for, including LinkedIn, WhatsApp, TikTok, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook Messenger, and so on. You'll find that link in the show notes. Finally, here's a concise summary of my advice for marketing. Number one, try to secure your favorite social media handle or username on the five sites I mentioned above. But keep your username short and relevant. Don't make it something long and creative. More and more I see in marketing, creative things rarely work as well as the simple things. For example, the name of this podcast is the Australian Business Podcast. It says it on the tin. Try to secure that handle and try to make that username the same across all of your portals because it will make things easier. For example, find us on Twitter at Rask or find us on Instagram at Rask Australia. And if it's on all of the portals, it will make it easier to follow. Number three is try and determine the best channels for your business as soon as possible. Is that digital? Is it in person? Is it word of mouth? What is it? I would say put 80% of your effort into the one channel that you know is working and then direct everyone else from all of the other channels to that one channel. And finally, if you're using social media, try to be active on a daily basis as it's good for the algorithms, but try to be effective by scheduling bulk social media and marketing posts in one day. I know some great Twitter accounts who don't check Twitter for most of the month, but they'll go on one day a month, schedule all of their posts and then turn off. If you're a small business owner, when you're time poor, that can be a really effective way to keep that blitz alive and use automation and uh, low-code or no-coding tools to your advantage. I hope you made it through this episode of the Australian Business Podcast Talking Marketing. There are so many different ways to market your business, whether it's in-person with a sales team and setting uh, important KPIs for your sales team, or if you're using digital strategies. There are so many ways to get creative. This is an essential part of your business because this is one of the biggest reasons businesses fail. And if you want to achieve uh, ultimate success with your business, you need a cohesive marketing strategy that ties back into your customer profile. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. In the next episode, I'm going to talk to you briefly about the different experts you can get on your team to help your business grow. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. If you're a small business owner or an expert like an accountant, 
lawyer, investor or entrepreneur, I want to hear from you. I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do with this podcast series, so I'm looking for sponsors as well as potential co-hosts and of course I'm eager to invest in businesses run by talented people. If you're looking for a supporter or advisor, a silent partner or even an investor to support your growth, I can help. Please contact me via the RASC website. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.